Hey guys, welcome to Streaming Wastelands, where it's Greg and Ringo. Say hi, Greg. Hi, Greg. See, every week. Well, to give you guys a little heads up, this week we went ahead and took on Dragged Across Concrete, a 2018 movie directed by S. Craig Zoller on Netflix. But before we get into that, Greg, what have you been up to this week? This week, I mostly just watched some old favorites. I was watching, we're almost done rewatching The Office for like the billionth time, so we've been <laughs> watching a lot of that. Uh, we also got into Pluto TV. I think I mentioned this last week, but if not, Pluto TV is free, and we we found a few channels that inter- interested us. Uh, I spent a excessive amount of time finding out that I am not smarter than a fifth grader. Then I went on Jeopardy and found out that I'm probably not smarter than some Jeopardy people, but I'm a little bit smarter than some other Jeopardy people. So (laughs) I don't really know how this weighs out with my whole fifth grade revelation. And then the other day we found out that there was a Rift Tracks channel on uh, on Pluto, and (laughs) that is fantastic stuff. Uh, If you don't know what Rift Tracks is, it's basically MST3K without all of the extra bits. It is just people doing funny commentary on movies and we watched like two or three movies i'd never heard of but they they were pretty amusing and so that's been that's been my week i've been doing that and then working on side projects i have this podcast i run apparently so it (laughs) is it takes some of my time what about you well besides you know spamming our our twitter yesterday because apparently i was manic and just had nothing better (laughs) to do Uh, i've been listening to a, a lot of podcasts recently i i you know just you know, I'm going to get a little bit of judge, judgment from uh, some people that listen to us, but I was listening to to Yuki. That's a, uh, an erotic podcast. I was interested because I was like, holy shit, Spotify actually does erotic podcasts. And it is, um, yeah, it's explicit, just saying. But movie-wise, for myself, I really haven't been watching a lot of movies other than, like I told you, I watched Avatar. But I ended up hopping up on YouTube and uh, was watching this YouTuber who talked about Dishonored. I was like, you know what? I haven't played Dishonored in like, I don't know, 75 years because I'm that old. <laughs> so I started up Dishonored again. And uh, it's, oh man, the details on that game are great. I love that game. Yeah, man. ESO came out with their big expansion for the year. And it's uh, it's the first new class they've introduced in four or five years. And they've oh, changed shit. up the way that they're introducing content now too so it's kind of like um i I would say that this game's probably had close to three like quote-unquote relaunches and so it's along those lines so that's been taking up my time big elder scrolls online fan so what you're saying is that i should go ahead and get back into eso for about a month and then forget it like i did last time yes (laughs) (laughs) i can promise you i meant to go ahead and actually like play eso longer but i i feel like i have adhd when it comes to, to video games i'm not saying that i have adhd but with the way that I bounce from video games, by like Friday next week, I'm going to be playing some other video game and I won't have finished Dishonored. I completely understand. There are, I have a whole pile of shame on Steam that I'm like, I'm going <laughs> to love this game. And then like I get a third of the way through and I'm like, never again. Well, you want to go ahead and get into this? Yeah, man. All right. So, Dragged Across Concrete. It is rated R for strong violence, grisly images, language, and some sexuality slash nudity. Once two overzealous cops get suspended from the force, they must delve into the criminal underworld to get their proper compensation. This movie is starring Mel Gibson as Brett Ridgman, Vince Vaughn as Anthony Larsetti, uh, Tori Kittles as Henry Johns, Michael J. White as Biscuit, 
Thomas Kreshman as Vogelman, and a cameo from Don Johnson as Chief Lieutenant G. Calvert. Few trigger warnings, there is police violence, racism, gore, and criminal violence. Our short synopsis is, after being suspended from duty for six weeks, unpaid, Mel Gibson thinks about his family and relocating them from his, uh, and his own retirement. Enlisting his police cop partner, Vince Vaughn, to help him, they plan to get a retirement fund by tapping into a robbery that is due to go down. They plan to rob the thieves, but things go don't go exactly as planned due to mistrust between the thieves. This meticulous fo- uh, film explores the story of the thieves and suspended police officers and their fates. So, Greg. And that's all. Did... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so, for Greg. listening, folks. <laughs> so, Greg, how did you feel about this? It was a tough movie to watch. Uh, first of all, this movie is very long. It, it clocks in, I think, at like two hours and 39 minutes. And it's interesting because it feels, while you're watching it, like not that slow. I only wrote down that the brakes came screeching out like twice. But when you look back at it and you realize like, damn, this was this was almost three hours, you do start thinking like there's some stuff they could have taken out of this movie. And it's interesting because the director didn't want to cut the movie down but Lionsgate did and so originally this was actually going to be released in theaters but because he didn't want to cut the movie down he it was released like limited run in theaters and direct to streaming so I all side with the studio I think I don't know exactly what they wanted to cut out but they basically wanted to cut 19 minutes off of this movie and I think I could guess which 19 minutes it is and so if it is what I'm thinking of they are they were correct but otherwise, this movie definitely has a dialogue issue, and it bothered me from start to finish. It is a stylized dialogue that the director chooses to write in. It's almost like a combination of like comic book dialogue mixed with like gritty pulp pulp detective stories from back in like the 40s and 50s. It doesn't work for a movie that's supposed to be somewhat realistic, despite there being a couple like over the top scenes the dialogue takes away from that. There are so many characters who say things that I'm just like, nobody talks like that. I think I wrote nobody talks like that down like 10 times. And the first couple times I tried to keep track of who said it, but by after I wrote it down like three times in 10 minutes, I was like, okay, so this is just how this movie sounds. And as such, like it, it is a good movie, not a great one, but it's good. It's just definitely hard to get. So I, I felt different about this movie. I felt this movie took forever. I felt like it was dragging constantly. I like was... across some concrete. <laughs> Roll credits. <laughs> Moving on. The like, like you said, the dialogue was rough. It was jilted and slow and weirdly paced and obnoxious and and frustrating. And you could tell for a fact that they were trying to go ahead and hit some points. That bugged the shit out of me. And I had to talk to Greg about this like after he finished watching it because I was so angry about this movie and I couldn't figure out why. Thinking you know, I, I ended up spending some time doing some retrospective on myself, and I think it was because of the the video that came out about Mel Gibson where he was drunk over the the hamburger and spouting that, the I, I think the hamburger is David Hasloff. Was that David Oh, did I mix those two? Yeah, Jesus Mel Gibson Christ. is the one who left the very racist voicemail. That one, his, yeah. I believe ex-wife at the time, but okay. either way, uh, 
it was it was not great. It doesn't really matter who that was to. That could have been to a random stranger, and it's still a pretty fucked up thing to say. Yeah, and yeah, and I was just I, I don't know. The movie made me angry, and I couldn't figure out why. And I think that that's why is because of the the racist comments that he made at at a prior time in life. And I I took that through the whole entire movie. I think, which definitely clouded my my judgment of this movie because i think that you know the story behind it could have been really good two cops getting go getting exiled from their work for six weeks and trying to make ends meet by robbing the robbers i've i feel like i've watched that somewhere i feel like i've seen that in a movie and i i think that whatever movie it was that i've watched it in they did it really well granted yeah it's it's not like um it's not a super unique plot in and of itself, right? But like a lot of movies that have plots that have been done before, it's about the details and it's about how it's executed. I I saw this movie called Film Noir. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying there's a movie called Film Noir. I believe there is. But uh, I'm saying that I saw Dragged Across Concrete described as Film Noir. I think that's the most accurate way to describe it. It is also, much like noir films, it's probably a movie that, you have to like this type of movie in the first place. There are, there are no good guys in this movie, not a single one with the exception of the sister from Dexter, whose actress's name, I forgot she's innocent and she dies in like a moment, but the, uh, and then um, Tori Kittles, character, Henry Johns is probably the least bad guy. He's also the only like main character that survives this entire movie, but he is the only one who doesn't say anything openly racist, as far as I, I remember. And he's also the only one who doesn't say uh, or doesn't really do anything wrong. He's never killed anybody. He's never taken any lives or anything like that. He has been in jail, but you find out later that he was in jail because he uh, beat up the guy who crippled his brother. So that's like a whole thing there. But you do have to want to watch a movie about relatively bad people degrees of bad and kind of like make your own judgments about it and i will say we we talked briefly about this like in the pre-show here but the director uh s craig zoller he stated openly that he does not care uh if people do or don't like his movie that he made the movie he wanted to make and if you don't like it that's fine and i i deeply respect that line of thought i appreciate somebody putting that opinion out there because i think there are too many people out there in hollywood who have this idea that Either you should like it because I made it for you and, you know, the fact that you don't like it makes me upset or they think that, you know, if you don't like something, you should just be quiet about it, right? Like just politely pass. And this guy's saying like, I don't really care. Um, Now, I do think that that's fraudulent to a certain point because clearly you care because it is your career and I don't see you taking on a bunch of like tiny little indie movies to do that, that are your passion projects, right? You're looking for studios to give you money to make the big stories you want to tell. So you have to care if people like it somewhat. It's the double, it's the double-edged sword of being a capitalist and an artist, but I respect his position on the idea of like, I don't really give a shit. It's probably good that he doesn't give a shit because like I said, the dialogue in this movie is really bad and there are, several scenes where i'm just like dude this could not be in the movie and i i could give a shit he he also shoehorns in and i think this is something that probably would have set you off a little bit ringo because it pissed me off as well there's a there's a scene in a diner where mel gibson and vince vaughn just openly discuss about how like you can't tell who's a man or a woman anymore and i'm just like okay you old fucking boomers like shut up 
And then right after that, they get called out of this diner and into Don Johnson's office to get told they're being suspended. And during that time, they talk about how like, oh, you know, like you could get in trouble for anything these days, even something you said in the privacy of a phone call. And I'm like, okay, Mel, right? Like, did you did you pressure this guy to put that line in? Right. Because, yeah, you're right. You could get in trouble for something you said in the privacy of phone call, because what you said was horrible. Right. Like, it's not like you were like, don't ever feed me fucking broccoli. I fucking hate broccoli. Right. Because if they leaked that and then people got mad at you, you're right. That's a weird thing to get mad at somebody for. Right. Maybe you could have been nicer. But if that was all you're yelling, then sure. But that's not what you yelled, is it, Mel? Right. What you said was, I hope something horrible happens to you by a group of racial slurs. Right. And so this is not an okay statement. And for somebody with your prestige, you probably should have thought that maybe I shouldn't say these things. It's not the first time he's been in trouble. He's also been accused of anti-Semitic comments in the past. And he's played those off as like, ah, I was drunk. So he's not a great guy, Mel Gibson. And thankfully, his character is not a great person in this movie either. Uh, He is dead by the end of the movie, so in typical noir fashion, the people who are the greediest, who are the most deserving, end up not making it to the end of the movie. But to have this diner scene that didn't do anything for the movie, it was literally just a scene for us to watch Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn be pricks about, you know, you can't tell who's a man or a woman anymore. And then for them to just leave that scene and go to this part of the movie where they're bitching about, like, you could get in trouble for anything these days. I was almost done with the movie right there. I was like, dude, this is garbage. I'm not going to sit here and watch like 25, 30 minutes of Mel and Vince Vaughn and Don Johnson complain about like back in the good old days. I don't even know how much younger Vince Vaughn is than these guys, but it feels like he shouldn't be complaining about this. But here he is in this movie. So thankfully, it gets a little bit better from there. I will say that the the part that really affected me the most in terms of like viewing this movie and thinking that like it 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 slows to an absolute crawl is when we do meet Dexter's sister. Um, again, the actress's name I can't remember, but for the last, it, it's about halfway through the movie, maybe two thirds of the way through the movie, we have been watching. Mel and Vince, so Brett and Anthony, staking out this criminal because they know he's going to commit a robbery. They have good intel that he's going to commit a robbery. They finally see motion from him, and they start following him. And they follow him to where he is going to uh, commit the robbery or like to the bank and everything that he's going to commit the robbery at. And right before the robbery starts, we then cut to this long scene. I'd say it's maybe five, six minutes of this lady and her husband arguing about him having to go to work or her having to go to work because when they had the baby, they decided that one of them would be the worker. She doesn't want to leave her kid behind. He's like, you already used all of your maternity leave, all of your sick days, all of your vacation time. You can't keep doing this. You have to go to work. And they go back and forth for a while before finally she gets on the bus and goes to work. And sure enough, she goes to work at the bank that gets robbed. She dies and she holds up like the kid's little sock. She's like, make sure my son gets this. I didn't care about that one bit. And that whole entire scene where she's arguing with the husband brings the movie to an absolute halt. It is ridiculously useless. There's a scene that 
I'm sure you want to talk about that happens a little bit earlier in the movie with uh, a certain actor eating something. I could have mm. also done without that, but this movie was the, or this scene was the one that was egregious to me, where I, I thought that this was just like I, this is why I looked up whether or not you know this director was like super famous, etc. Because I was like, who didn't tell him no? And it turns out Lionsgate did tell him no, and he's like, no, I make it my way. And they were like, oh, okay, well then I guess we'll just put it straight to streaming. Um, and for the record, I think Lionsgate was right. So you were calling for Jennifer Carpenter as what her, her... Jennifer Carpenter. Yeah. Dexter's uh, sister. Yeah. Deb. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, <laughs> fucking Vince Vaughn. God, i every time he's in a movie or a show that I watch, he's got to fucking chew with his goddamn mouth open. It pisses me the fuck off. Cause I can't, I don't, Oh, <sighs> all right. Before I get into that, real quick. So, I'm going to punch you. <laughs> God, that just dry, that fucking <laughs> makes me so fucking angry. Um, <laughs> the scene that you were talking about where they're, they're talking to the captain in the, in the room right before they go ahead and get uh, canned for the next six weeks. They made a comment that kind of annoyed the shit out of me. That they were equating racism to communism. The, the red scare. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then shortly after that, Vince Vaughn ends up, like, he's going for his ring, and or not, he, he's not going for the ring. I don't remember where the fuck he says this, but he goes, I'm not racist. Every Martin Luther King Day, I order a dark roast. I'm like... <sighs> yeah, uh, that's in the diner. Was that in the diner? Oh, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. The fuck that diner scene. That diner scene was bullshit. Yeah, that's another scene that could have been absolutely cut out, mostly because it doesn't add anything, right? Exactly, it doesn't add shit. So, I think, I get that the idea here is that we're supposed to believe that these two are both hardened cops and maybe, like, a little bit stuck in the past. We didn't need that scene to tell us that. We could have had that exposition from Don Johnson, right? When he's like, Mm -hmm. both of you guys are in trouble again, right? Then we could have been like, oh, okay, this is not the first time, right? We already saw them use excessive force on somebody, and borderline torture on that girl to try to get information. And so I'm like sitting there watching this diner scene that, that takes like two or three minutes, but it's two or three minutes of them just being assholes and then going to the police captain's office where they're assholes again. Yeah. It it was completely unnecessary. It could have been like a, a two minute scene of them getting yelled at and it sets up like a dozen different other cop movies, right? You two are out of control. Give me your guns and your badges. Except this time they're not like hero cops who get the job done no matter what. They're asshole cops who get results as assholes. Yeah, and that, oh man, like okay, so like you said, the 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 kind of almost torture thing. It was also like sexual harassment in a sense because they wouldn't mm-hmm. let her go ahead and get dressed. And that the, I was like, I I wasn't exactly bothered by that because I was like, this shows you that they're kind of shitty cops. And then followed mm-hmm. by like. Oh, you can't tell who, you know, if it's a man or a woman that's singing the song followed by uh, back in the good old days. And you can't go ahead and talk on the phone without someone recording you to report you for this, that and the other. And I'm like, God damn, this is just going to be a boomer movie. Followed by the thing that pissed me off probably the most in this fucking movie was fucking Vince Vaughn sitting in a goddamn car from fucking... 5618 until 5732 chewing with his fucking mouth open. God damn. <laughs> Did nobody teach you how to eat your fucking food? Oh my god. And Mel Gibson even turns to him and goes, "Hey, 
I've had to go ahead and sit here and listen to you and smell that for the last 98 minutes. I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, I would have, I would have punched him in the face and, and, and <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm raging right now. <laughs> I just fuck Vince Vaughn. I, every time he's in a fucking movie, he always has to chew his mouth open. It pisses me off. That's why I probably, I, I, you know, there are very few movies I like Vince Vaughn in. And one of them is one of the Christmas movies that my wife and I watch like every year. Is it Dodgeball? No. Dodgeball is a great Christmas movie. Also, why the fuck does he his catchphrase have to be anchovies? It's such a weird catchphrase. Yeah, well, that's like the whole thing in this movie, right? Is all all these like Mel gives this whole thing fifty percent, seventy percent, thirty percent. Like I was just like, dude, it's annoying to to hear that, right? Like, can you imagine if you had to talk to this person in real life? Let alone Vince Vaughn's going to go ahead and put his life and career on the in the hands of this man who answers questions about like, what do you think is happening? He's like, oh, they're probably kidnapping. He's like, really, like sixty percent? You know, like, shut up. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I, I was scrolling through my notes and something that I, I wrote down that I'm kind of giggling about right now. I feel like someone played Army of Two before they made this movie because <laughs> you, you get what I mean, right? Yeah. <laughs> when they put the masks on and the body armor and all that shit, I'm like, yeah, someone played uh, Army of Two and wanted that to be the uh, the main di- the main aspect of these two characters, I think. Because the Army of Two characters were fucking annoying, too, when you think about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and this movie definitely has big vibes of that in it. I don't know. It's it's a weird movie. Like it's it's definitely not bad. I do think that it is a good movie overall, but it definitely comes with a lot of of cautions. That you know, if like if you look at the reviews, right, you could tell that a bunch of people agreed with your initial assessment. Like, fuck this movie. This is racist piece of shit movie. But Again, all of the racists die. Like, literally, except for one, uh, Mel Gibson's wife in this movie, uh, or I guess Brett Ridgman's wife in this movie, uh, makes a comment about, like, I never thought I was racist till I moved to this neighborhood. <laughs> it's not a great comment to make. I guess it's not, I guess it's not, like, openly racist, except that she's saying that she now feels racist. The catch with her is that she has MS and is, um, you know, in a lot of pain. So even though she is a racist and doesn't die. It doesn't sound like she has a great life anyway. So I guess maybe that's like the, the outcome. I don't know. It feels weird to kind of put a moral judgment on somebody who has like a debilitating disease like that. So I don't really know why the director did that, but it's, it's their call to do it. But yeah, it is good for me personally. I, you know, I would have, since she was a, she was a cop as well prior to, I think I would have gone ahead and have her like take a round. Hmm. You know, and have it be like the the round grazed her spine, and now she will forever struggle to walk. Then, then you know, I, not not excusing the racism, but I would have been like, you know, it makes more sense because from what I could tell, the only reason why she was racist was because she lived in a neighborhood because her husband worked there. Move out, fucking move. I, th- I think we're meant to believe that. It's not that they live there because he works in that neighborhood. They live there because it's what they can afford. Mm-hmm. You know, um, her medical pay and then him not getting promoted ever seems to be a like the point of contention. Because in the scene that she's in, she's talking about you know taking on security jobs, and there, then he's like, "You can't do anything. Like you can't stand up on your feet. I can't be. I can't be like having you do security work. That's ridiculous." Okay. Yeah. No, that's a fair point. Still, 
maybe if he was a, a better officer, <laughs> they could go ahead and get a promotion and move somewhere. Right, yeah, like, maybe if you weren't, like, a skull-pounding asshole. Right. Then, yeah, you would probably get a promotion. It's weird. I don't know. But everybody knows somebody like that, right? Like, oh, they just hate me, right? Like, I can't move up because <laughs> other people stop me. And it's like, yeah, dude, but this is, like, the same story you've told at four different jobs. So is it other people or is it you? Mm-hmm. And then, like, other people. And you're like, oh, okay, so you, you're not ready for that conversation yet about how <laughs> you're your own you're your own problem. Uh, I do want to touch real quick on the tr- the the worst guys in this movie. I'm not gonna say bad guys because nobody, like I said, is really a good guy. But the worst guys in this movie, the what's what's his name, Vogelman and his two accomplices, mm-hmm. they are incredibly graphically violent. It is reminiscent of some Tarantino stuff. It is they are interesting villains that get just enough screen time that you're like, oh man, these guys are brutal. Uh, I hope nobody ever tries to make like a cinematic universe out of this and does a prequel of where these guys came from. I don't care. It's fantastic. Uh, I do also think that we should talk a little bit about Henry Johns and Biscuit. They have a scene where they're driving away. They're the getaway drivers for these criminals after they rob the bank. And they're driving and uh, Biscuit starts freaking out a little bit. And so Henry Johns takes us down a fun memory lane of a birthday party back when this kid really liked dinosaurs and, and calmed us, calms them down. It is another scene that doesn't need to be in the movie or doesn't need to be as long as it is. Uh, I do think that if anybody does a great job acting in this movie, it is Tori Kittles. I think Henry Johns is probably the, the most believable and dynamic character. It is too bad that the rest of the movie around him just isn't quite up to his standard. But yeah. it also it also like we've focused very heavily on the characters of Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn because that is who this movie is actually about. They try to kind of tell us Tori's story and Biscuit's story a little bit, or Tori, well, Henry John's story and Biscuit's story a little bit, but it's very minimal compared to the amount of time we spend with Brett Ridgman and Anthony Lucchetti, and so those are clearly the two main characters, and. It kind of sucks. Like I said, Tori Kittles did a better job at, uh, as Henry than I feel like Vince and Mel did. I think he outacted yeah. both of them. And yeah. so I would have liked to see more of that movie uh, or more of that character in this movie. If this movie was more focused around him, it would be it would be better. Well, so, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I thought that we were going to get a movie based around the character Henry Johns, considering it opens up with him sleeping with the Asian woman and then mm-hmm. he goes home. And at first I was like, oh, are we going to, is this going to be like man comes home to find wife sleeping with someone? No, it's his mom. I was like, oh, that's a twist I didn't see coming. That was, you know, I I don't know if it's interesting enough to drag me in, but it was something that I hadn't seen before. So I was like interested to see where that was going to go. And we really didn't get anything else from that until the very end when Henry Johns ends up making what, like a bazillion dollars or something like that. So he can go ahead and yeah. do whatever the hell he wants. I was actually never clear how much money it was because I don't know how much gold is worth and how much gold they got. It looked like it was pretty heavy. So I would assume a lot of gold, but they were like, he was clearly very well off at that point. I also oh, don't know how shit. you launder all that gold. <laughs> like... uh, gold prices per ounce is a thousand nine hundred and sixty four dollars today. Wow. So, yeah, um, again, I don't really know how you sell all that gold and get that cash without somebody asking some questions. Now, I will say, we we haven't said anything about it, but I think it's worth touching on. The other person who gets out of this movie kind of scot-free that's kind of shitty 
is the mom of Henry Johns, and she's probably in the movie the least, and therefore doesn't deserve to be like deeply touched on. But if we're going with all these other characters are not great people, then we probably should talk about her. She, in her her only real speaking lines until the end of the movie, says that Henry's dad ran off with his uh, homophobic slur boyfriend because he's a big homophobic slur himself and uh they they don't ever really walk this back or do anything and so yeah. it is this is actually also the first time i wrote down nobody talks like this because the way that actress says that line it's it's almost like atonal and then she's all of a sudden incredibly violent on that word like she just mm-hmm. attacks that word and i was like whoa nobody talks like this and so in my mind i saw it as like italicized bold and i was like that's <laughs> like that's so weird like going from like Arial font to fucking like times new roman italicized bold <laughs> for that word but nobody like nobody talks like that and nothing bad happens to her she actually has the best outcome of everybody she did very little and she got everything so mm-hmm. it is I guess maybe like one failing of the movie that the the two like kind of side characters that don't that aren't great people don't have anything bad to happen to them, but I guess they don't need every character to have something bad happen to them. And we should be clear, right? We've described Henry as probably the least bad person in this movie. He's an accessory to a murder that happens at a bank robber. He's an accessory to kidnapping and he's an accessory to bank robbing. And, and he, kills he does it and he does kill a cop. So he is certainly not innocent. Uh, he's just the least innocent. And I know I just described all those things he did, but he, he is the, the least innocent. Uh, B- Biscuit might've been super innocent as well, but he just died. And he was also accessory to murder and accessory to bank robbery. So yeah, well, Biscuit was also in the movie for like three minutes. Yeah. Very true. Out of like a two and a half hour movie. Yeah, it is. It is shocking how much, of of the screen time is Mel and Vince. It is. Mm-hmm. I get it that they're your your big characters, but my goodness, they are really in this movie. And they were like the least interesting characters. Give us did make the movie about Henry Johns. Yeah, I agree. I think that would have been a better movie. Yeah, I yeah, I would have I would have probably been less angry about it. And ultimately, yeah, I. I don't. I I can't go ahead and tell anybody to watch this movie because I I hated it. I was angry about it. I'm still angry about it, but less angry than I was. I think I would tell people to watch this movie with the caveats of it does star Mel Gibson and it certainly isn't apologetic for him. Uh, on on the flip side, it tries to make him seem more sympathetic. Uh, and the other caveat being that it is almost three hours long. Well, not almost, but it, it's closer to three hours than two hours. So definitely have time for this movie but overall i probably like if somebody's telling me like i want to watch an action movie i'm not going to recommend this and if somebody says like i want to watch a crime drama this isn't really going to come to my mind so it's one of those things where it's a fine movie i i I, like i said i would i don't hate it i don't think i'd recommend it strongly but it's definitely one if somebody asked me about it like oh yeah it's pretty good like it's got it's it's got its issues but if you can put up with the dialogue, then I think that this is a decent movie. And, you know, my my last opinion on this is uh, don't waste two and a half hours. Go listen to Tangents of Horror, Philosophize This, Middle Ground. Those are podcasts on Spotify. They do about 30-minute episodes, and you can go ahead and watch, listen to, like, 
an episode or two and then go go read a book go hang out with your family go listen to one of our other podcasts that that's my opinion my final opinion on this is don't let Ringo tell you what to do, right? He's not the boss of you. <laughs> do whatever you want. Freedom. Si se puede. Or what if I secretly am? Oh, dang. That would be a oh, twist. That would be a twist. You should do the office space thing and get everybody to send us like their change on every transaction. We'll be rich in no time. <laughs> hey, send your change to us. I'll go ahead and make us a... Uh, uh... <laughs> a P.O. box. <laughs> I'll set us up a P.O. box. And he's full of envelopes. <laughs> <coughs> and you know <laughs> no 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 i want i want pennies of envelopes pennies i want of the envelopes en- yeah pennies of envelopes whatever that oh, is. Well, whatever that is someone figure that out it sounds sexy yeah that being said i want everybody to know that there is no word for thank you in dothraki jorah mormont greg you got anything else nope <laughs> that's it for me i <laughs> I, I don't know any other words in Dothraki. <laughs> Wait, don't don't you uh, didn't you watch that episode of the, oh, the Office? About... Yeah. Fuck, again, no. There you go, and that's how we're gonna end this. Bye, guys.